Today is August 8th, 2020, and this is Sam Walking in the World, Episode 6. Okay, um, today I'm going to talk about the two things you're supposed to never talk about. Politics and religion. Now, it's not exactly true to say that I'm going to talk about them, <clears throat> because I don't want this podcast to be about either. I don't want it to be about the politics of the day. Um, and I certainly don't want it to be religious. But I'm going to talk near politics and religion. In particular, I'm going to talk about, rather than politics, I'm going to talk about kind of government. And in particular, democracy. Or you know, a republic. And I'm not specifically going to talk about religion, um, but I am going to talk about the idea of God. <clears throat> in the likelihood of the existence of a God and what does that mean? Uh, but first, before I get to that, just a couple of uh, stupid things. Um, I invented a new word. Um, there are people in my life who send me text messages with videos on them or I see them on Twitter, I see them on Facebook. And people send out these videos that they've taken of themselves. And in them, they are trying to s send a, a, a message of themselves that is super amazing. Whether it's they're lifting a great deal of weight or jumping off something really tall or, or you know, flexing in front of the camera. Um, I'm going to call it, <clears throat> from now on, I'm going to call it awesoming. I invented a, a verb, awesoming. Anytime an individual is doing an act for the sake of drawing attention to the fact that their perception of themselves is awesome, whether it is or not, is heretofore going to be called awesoming. Remember, this is where it started. Uh, and, and I spell it with an E in the middle. Otherwise, it looks funny. Um, okay. Uh, next, I did an OCD checkup on myself today. I always have to make sure that I keep my OCD in check, but I don't want to be too careful about it. You can see the obvious problem with that. Um, and today, the ch these, these checks kind of naturally occur in my life. And uh, they do gauge for me um, the level of control I feel like I need at a given time, or how well I'm dealing with the fact that I don't have control, really, over anything. And today, the uh, OCD check was provided by a fleck on my windshield. I don't know when it happened. I don't know if it was like part of a bird dropping or a bug got smashed on the windshield and I didn't quite notice it when it happened, but it was directly in the central field of sight between my eyes and the middle of what I was looking at through the windshield. Clearly, it wasn't in the way. I could obviously see everything just the same, but I could also see it. And I noticed it. And then I noticed it again. And then I thought to myself, because I was making multiple stops while I was out, I'm like, don't worry about that. You can just wipe that off when you stop to get gas. And then I started thinking about something else. I thought, oh, nice. And then I pulled in to get my gas. I got out of the car. I went in, paid for my gas. I pumped my gas. I got back in the car, and I drove away. And I noticed the fleck again. And I used to think to myself, is it, 
is it possible for me to care this much about this fleck on my windshield and yet completely abandon an opportunity to get rid of it five minutes later? I did it twice. did it at the gas station and I did it at the grocery store. That fleck now currently sits on my windshield. I don't know if that's good or bad. Good that I didn't bother wiping it off or bad that I am still consciously aware of its presence on my windshield. Maybe sometimes things like this happen to you. I don't know. I'm, I'm perfectly happy being the one that's nuts. Um, okay. Uh, there was one more. There was one more. Uh, I was writing a, a note to myself. And I almost, halfway through the note, I almost stopped and did another revision of it. I don't know if you've ever done this. It was a note to myself. And I was going to leave it somewhere in front of myself, between myself and whatever the task was going to be, so I would see it and go, oh, yeah, i got to remember to you know, mail this, bring this letter with me so I can mail it or whatever. doesn't matter what it was. And, and halfway through the note, something occurred to me. Either I didn't feel like I wrote something big enough or I thought maybe I needed to use a different word that would be a better reminding word for me. Maybe I'd be more apt to notice the note and then have a greater likelihood of accomplishing the task. And I swear to God, I was about to crumple up the paper and throw it away and start again on a note to myself. But I didn't do it. I stopped and I thought, you're going to remember to do this thing whether you do or not. And then I remembered to do the thing and never even looked at the note. Another reminder, I'm not all the way there yet. Okay, so getting to today's topics, politics and religion. Um, there's a million podcasts about politics and um, you know which side of the political aisle is better, which ideologies are better, which you know, policies are better that they'd like to implement, or um, which people are better, which candidate is better. Um, and they're, they're, they follow the news of the day daily, and I listen to some of it, watch some of it, but I don't really want to talk about it. Um, rather than talking about politics, I got thinking a lot about government and forms of government, especially democracy. And the other topic is religion, but it's not exactly religion, because I'm sure there's probably uh, um, thousands of religiously specific podcasts like i'm sure there's people that are of the muslim faith and they have <clears throat> multiple podcasts that are that are about the muslim faith and i'm sure there's a bunch of christian ones and i'm sure there's a bunch of jewish ones and this is this this podcast i want to remain non-denominational but i'm gonna go where my thoughts lead me and my thoughts sometimes lead me to the idea of god and so that's where i'm gonna start and i'll eventually get to democracy. So first, I mean, I think that it's probably, <clears throat> whether you think about it or not, the most thought of question man has ever had. <clears throat> and that is, is there a God? I happen to believe there is. I don't know. Um, I think that the the uh, issue is up for debate, being that we don't know. Um, and I don't have a problem with that. 
I mean, here's why. I don't think people understand sometimes that faith can only exist. Belief, faith. Faith can only exist in the absence of knowledge, of evidence. Think about it. If, if a person knows something, like, I don't know, 2 plus 2 equals 4, <clears throat> and they know it. So, this is a better example. Say that in the refrigerator there's two cans of soda. And you don't know, you're not sure, so you open up the refrigerator and you see there are two cans of soda. And then you close the refrigerator. Standing there in front of it, looking at the outside of it, you don't have to have faith that there are two sodas in the refrigerator because you know they are. So faith is not required. It's eliminated <clears throat> from, the, from the equation. So people sometimes trip me out. And I mean, everyone can believe what they believe. I'm not saying that, that, that anything that anyone believes is false. I'm just speaking, just speaking from my heart. Um, if you have knowledge that God exists, in your mind, if you say, I know he exists, and you really mean it like you know, then you don't have faith. By definition, it's not possible to have faith. When there is evidence. I mean, it might feel like a good thing because you know something. But you've basically, logically, eliminated the need for faith. So when I think of people who have faith, actual faith, they believe, they recognize openly that they don't know, that there is no proof. Only in that condition can a person have faith. That's why it's a leap. And so, I really think, barring miracles, witnessed miracles of quote-unquote proven miracles, um, put, to keep those to the side for a second. We'll just presume that there aren't any of those. <clears throat> and if you, and, and then we ask the question, do you believe there's a God? Um, here's why I'm open to the idea. I feel like God left it, if there's a God, <laughs> He left it so we could kind of keep a foot in the door to the possibility. And I am a very logical person. I am a very rational person. Um, and um, I often marvel at the universe. Like, what do I mean by God let, left, let us have our foot in the door? I mean this. When I look around my environment in this universe, there, there's one thing that's always tripped me out. Actually, two things that always trip me out. <clears throat> and one is, and I know people don't tend to think about this in, daily, but it is, it is a fact. Right now, we have no idea how far space goes. We have no idea. We don't know if it's finite, obviously. 
because we haven't reached any kind of edge. But you could still ask the question if you got to the edge, what's on the other side of it? There's a wall, and you broke through the wall. So in a sense, space is infinite as we know it now, as we understand it now. And that's one dimension that we live in. The other dimension is time. Time is also infinite as far as we know. We don't know how far back it goes because we don't really know when the beginning was. And, and if we did, like people say, the Big Bang Theory, which I don't know if it's true or not. I mean, I haven't really thought about it that hard. But my, my immediate question is, well, what was before it? And, of course, we don't know how far we're going to go into the future. And then here's, here's really the clincher for me. That, And I'm not saying this is why I know there's a God. Or this is why you should know there's a God. That I, I don't ever put it in that realm. But it, it keeps my foot in the door. Is this. Either, and this is my logical mind working. Either there was always life. Or, really, there was always something. Could have been space without any life. But let's say with life. Let's go with life because it's easier and more concrete. Either there was always life going back into infinity, or there wasn't, and then there was. I'll say it again. Either there was always life forever going back in time, or there wasn't life. And then there was. Both of them are like equally miraculous to me. Because how could it, if it goes on, life, life never had a beginning. That's, that's, that's beyond my comprehension. And if there was a situation where there was once nothing and then life was, you have to use the word, created somehow. Then that's equally wacky. And so when I put all of that together, I think to myself, infinity exists. And if infinity exists, I, I, I feel like you have to at least put in the realm of possibility the idea that eternity exists. So I can't rule out any kind of forever. I hope there's something. I would love for my consciousness to continue on. I don't want there to be an end. I've heard some people saying it's it's a tempting tempting thought is that um, is that belief in an afterlife is is the human uh, extrapolation of an animal's instinctive desire to stay alive, to survive. An animal just knows it doesn't want to die. It will do whatever it has to to stay alive. Because it doesn't want an end to its life. Even if it doesn't have a conscious sense of self. It still is built so that it doesn't want there to be an end. We, of course, are built so that we don't want there to be an end. And I wonder, since we know there are, because we are conscious of ourselves, and we do see other people die, we know we're going to, and we don't want it to end. And in a way, belief in an afterlife allows us to escape that end. I don't want that to be true. And as long as God leaves a crack in the door, I'm putting my foot in it. Um, 
and why not? You know, it's 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 quite possible if you actually consider the situation with an open mind. You know, that is very possible. Okay, here's the other thing. Um, uh, what kind of keeps my mind open to the idea of God are certain things that exist in our universe that are independent of human beings, of human life, of any life, really. Like, I'll give you an example. Um, well, first, let me say this. This is about the difference between the very important distinction between invention and discovery. The invention is when you take something and you create it yourself. Discovery is when something already exists and you realize it. You discover that this thing exists. Some of those things exist independent of us, like math, mathematics. Two plus two equals four, even if there was an apocalypse and everyone on earth is dead. It just does. It doesn't need human beings for it to be right. That trips me out. Music is another one. Even if no one's playing it, there are a certain number of notes. With flats and sharps in between. And that's what there is, and and whatever in the world makes those sounds, they are in one of they are one of those notes, or a combination of those notes, and and that would happen whether there was anybody here or not. You wouldn't be able to be heard, but it would still be true. So the, these are these things feel godly to me. Math especially feels so godly to me. Uh, but anyway, all right, I don't want to go too far in that direction. Switching over, um, I will talk about how God and things that, pre, that, that exist independently of human beings are related to government and um, the organization of governments. And I will do that right after this message. Hello and welcome back to Sam Walking in the World, Episode 6. That message was brought to you by a cow. Now, I was talking about things that exist independently of human beings. I was talking about math, talking about music. And um, that is a perfect transition to begin talking about, not politics, but government. Um, our, our country, I believe, has a very special system of government. In that, at the beginning of the Declaration of Independence, um, it says something that I think a lot of people gloss over, um, especially in today's secular world. And, and I know that a lot of people are secular. I know that a lot of people don't believe in God. And um, and I know that the, the issue is up for debate. <clears throat> um, but our, our Declaration of Independence starts out by saying, we believe these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, 
and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And then among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's the first part. It says we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights. In other words, those rights don't come from a government, and they don't come from other people. They come from something else. Call it whatever you want. It's called natural law sometimes. But the idea that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are things that we just have. And if, if they're attempted to be taken away from us, then we have the right to overthrow whatever government is trying to do that or, or rebel against whatever person is trying to do that or institution. Because the next sentence says, uh, to secure these rights, governments will be instituted among men uh, whose just powers come from the consent of the governed. Or I don't think that's the exact wording, but the point is that the, the, po the power of the people we put in charge come from our consent. And the second part is important because it says if these rights that we're born with and just have outside of anything else because of something else, you could say something higher. Um, they exist independently of any construction human beings would create. In the second part of the Declaration of Independence, it, the, the second sentence says that no one is allowed to take those away from us. We've agreed as a group of people in, the, in America that we all are going to live by the idea that we do agree that those rights are given to us by something other than people and that if people try to do something to take those rights away, we have the right to fight and, and eliminate those people. I don't mean kill them, I just mean take them out of power. And that, to me, I, I thought, the more I thought about it, I thought that's pretty huge. As I was thinking about God and it, you know, my thoughts just kind of blended over and I started thinking about, because there's a lot of talk about government, is America good, is America bad? Um, I'm not not really even going to weigh into that. What I want to talk about is the, the the special quality of the form of government that we somehow ended up settling on. Um, and it, it occurs to me that I think I think, and, and I'm not going to say you know which side of the aisle I'm on, or or even if I'm on one side, but I as I watch the you know predominantly two sides of political debate. I feel like, and I mean both sides, I mean anybody, I feel like at times people take for granted that the, the rules of the game are, are more important than their own political ambition for everyone's good. And I think that people forget that. People are so passionate and zealous, as, as they should be. Uh, I... You know what, before I go on, let me tell you, this, this will put this in context. When my stepson was little, like about six or seven years old, he he was, he was is an amazing athlete. He always was. He, would, he just had the most incredible hand-eye coordination I had ever seen on any child when I, when I was, you know, when he was that age. And we would play um, a game we called Shot Block. But it was really like Nerf basketball. 
And we played in his bedroom again, and the hoop was against the back door. It was one of those ones you can probably picture hanging off the door. And and I would be on my knees, and he would be, we would probably be eye to eye at the time. And maybe he'd be a little bit taller. And we would play these games where you know you just you play up to a certain number. And um, and at the time, first of all, he was amazing. I swear, the kid could just be running in the other direction, jump, twist his body, bang into the wall, and make the basket. I don't, I don't think I ever saw him miss a free throw. I'm sure it happened, but it's like, I mean, and, and later on, he when he was an adolescent, he did a, a, a free throw shooting contest, the one they have around here, and he finished second place. I think it was like 200 kids. So, but he always had that. But he always had this incredible drive to win. And I'm not sure if it's that he wanted to win as bad as as much as he wanted to hate, as he hated losing. And I don't know if he would even remember this now. If he listened to this, I wonder if he, I actually wonder if he remembers it, but. I had to figure out a way to help him understand that, some, first of all, sometimes you're going to lose. Because I, I, could, I could beat him if I wanted to, of course. But he was so good that, you know, he, games were usually pretty tight anyway. And many times he just beat me. You know, I, I let myself fall too far behind and I couldn't catch up even if I was trying to. But a lot of times I had control of the outcome. And... <clears throat> um. Because throughout the game, like, he would say the score was something different than it was because he felt maybe he was going to lose that game. And then he would get upset if I said, no, I know the score, and the score is not that. You know, I'm, I'm up by four, not up by two. Or, you know, you're not up by four, you're up by two. And uh, he just it was so hard for him to accept that impending loss. And so one time I just said, you know what, I have to make this kid lose. I'm not doing him any service to have him just keep winning and make him think that he's going to just win every time, even when he does his best. So one game, sure enough, I uh, it was fairly close, and, and I decided I had a chance with the ball to, to, to end the game by making a shot, and I made it. And he was crushed. Crushed. And I, I tried, you know, I consoled him, and I said, we can play another game. And um, and he kind of settled down once we started playing again. And when we were done, I kind of sat him down, and I said, I, I think it was a very, it was a, an effective way to put it for him as he grows up. And, and for anybody, for even me, for whenever you're competing at something. And, and this, this is, you'll see how this relates to democracy and forms of government, is that it's, it is a very important thing for you to want very, very badly to win. But you have to want to play the game just a little bit more. In other words, however, however badly you want to win, you got to want to play the game just a little bit more. Because as soon as you, in your desire to win, start cheating or, or breaking the rules... The game isn't true anymore, and 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 it, it happens naturally, even socially, when, people, when kids are playing together, if they're playing basketball or something. If there's somebody that cheats or changes a score or whatever, usually what ends up happening is people stop playing with that person, and now you can't even play. And and this kid loved to play, still does in his own ways now, but but it was 
it was enough of a carrot to dangle that you, if you, because I would say to him, if you can't play by the rules and accept it when you lose, I'm not playing with you anymore. And he wanted to play so bad, I gradually goaded him into thinking that it was kind of okay to lose because what was he going to do? Not play? I think that is a very, very important lesson. You, you got to want to win, but you got to want to play a little bit more. So, how does that relate to politics? Our, our system of government is set up so that, like, for now, right right now, for example, there are two sides ideologically, and and there's two campaigns right now, and both sides want to win very, very badly. Sometimes one side, and I'm not saying which one, either, either side, sometimes a side is so passionate about say, the changes they want to make in the country or the, how badly they want to keep things the same in the country or just any idea that they have that they believe is so true, so good, so well-motivated that it has to be regardless of the rules to the game. I try to play, play the tape all the way through in my mind and it occurs to me that that is how fascism ends up happening. It seems like to me like it comes, it first comes with good intentions. I know what's best for you to such a degree that I'm going to eliminate this whole choosing process and I'm just going to have power over you so that I make sure that you're okay. And, and, and if power ever gets permanent, uh, power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so even if somebody's right, even if even if a side is right and, and it is true that their way is the best, if you eliminate the choosing process, in our case it's elections, democracy, then you it's kind of like killing the referee in a football game. And then whichever team can break the rules better ends up winning. Really, that just ends up disintegrating to barbarism. It, it destroys everybody. And so I think that part of the Declaration of Independence and the fact that our Constitution is the way it is, is more important than either side, either ideology, uh, either's desire to, uh, to accumulate power. And I thought about it like this, finally, when I kind of resolved it all in my head, I thought, who takes power matters very much. But it matters much less than how it is given to them. Who takes power matters very much. But it matters much less than how it is given to them. In other words, by a fair process where everybody has a voice. In other words, democracy. So I think people it, 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 it keeps people in power mindful of the fact that the power was given to them. They took it once it was given to them, but they took it only because it was given to them. And because of our system, it can be taken away. So I don't know if I, if I went around and around on that, but that was a, I, I felt very strongly about that when I was thinking about it. Like this country really, and you know what else I was thinking? You got me thinking about 9-11. And my birthday coincidentally is on 9-10. And 
so it's kind of always it's it, it always kind of has a sweet and sour feeling when the time comes but um when 9-11 happened uh I saw, I, I, I kind of looked around me and saw the various reactions of people. And like always, there were people that were ardent supporters of the United States, extremely patriotic. And then there were other people who were critical of the United States. You know, there were people who kind of, you know, said, well, you know, we're not perfect. We do things, we do things around the world that we think are right, but other people don't think are right. And and you know they they were kind of and i even saw people insulting the united states people that really did hated the united states they were american citizens but they were pretty radical in that way and i thought this is all good you know it, to me when i looked around this and i saw i saw differences of opinion and um and debate and our, our country was founded on debate and uh I hope that those people that are the radical people don't, uh, you know, are mindful of that. You know, the fact that you can say all these things that you're saying in this country is because of the way this country is. Um, I hope that fact is not lost on them. Sometimes it seems like it is. But um, I saw, what I, what I also saw, though, was immigrants. I saw people of all different nationalities, religions, ethnic groups. I saw in you know different places I saw people standing up for America. And it was just so it's such a cool feeling because I it was almost like the immigrants had a better understanding like a, a, a better appreciation for the actual nature of the way our country is run than people who've been, you know, multi-generational people that live here now. And I think it's because those people have fresher in their mind that what's great about this country is that it can change. Like, in a lot of countries where there is not our, you know, like I've called it the choosing process, um, they're not given that opportunity to have a voice in the changes that they want, like in a democracy. And they know that this country allows them to better themselves. There's, there's, there's the ability to better yourself um, financially or socially or whatever. There's, there's mobility. And, um, and they know this, the constitution, the, the, the government, the system of government has a way of allowing for the betterment of itself. I mean, the Constitution, the whole, oh, the whole bunch of the beginning of the Constitution are amendments. That, that is to say, changes. I think that is lost on people a lot. And I don't want to be super gung-ho Captain America or anything, but um, I just thought those two pieces together, the fact that our rights come from something besides people, above people, and um, and and that we decided the form of government that respects that gives a voice to people so they can maintain those those most important rights. Um, I and and, I, and it made me think like you know this is this really is still the place to be if you want life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I think still even today, with all that's going on. Oh, 
And with that, just one more quick note. Don't say the word irregardless. It doesn't exist. If you're not sure, ask yourself what the difference is between irregardless and regardless. They, um, I think you'll find they mean the same thing. And if you look it up, I think you'll find that only one of them is a word. Um, I don't know why I stuck that in there at the end. It's kind of awkward, but that's the way my mind is. And so I believe I've come to the end of my thoughts on these topics. As always, thank you for listening to Sam Walking in the World. This has been episode six. I will see you soon, hopefully tomorrow.